Now you can feel like you're in the audience at the Ed Sullivan Theater with official Late Show with Stephen Colbert merchandise at ParamountShop.com. Shop t-shirts, mugs, accessories, and more, and Late Show Pod Show listeners can take 20% off with code TLS20. That's 20% off at checkout on all Late Show products with code TLS20 at ParamountShop.com. Everybody, welcome to the Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. The big story. For those of you paying attention to the world outside, the big story continues to be geopolitical intrigue. Russia has massed 150,000 troops on the Ukrainian border, but Putin says they're not invading. It's a real case of will they, or they definitely will. Because here's the thing. Last night, U.S. intelligence announced that instead of Russia pulling back, like they've claimed, Russia has instead added 7,000 troops along Ukraine's border. You're not fooling anyone, Russia. This reminds me of that scene in The Lord of the Rings. We're actually retreating! Give me Some people are trying to de-escalate tensions. For example, in neighboring Moldova, a pilot of a passenger plane at Ukraine's border used his flight path to draw the word, relax. (laughs) It's a nice sentiment, but there is a limit to how relaxed I want my pilot to be. Uh, It's your pilot speaking. We've lost both engines, but I am chilling up here in the cockpit. Turned off the fasten seatbelt sign because it was harsh and my mellow. We'll have you on the ground in just a couple of seconds. Wave hello to the fire trucks as we skid, flaming by them. Speaking of international conflicts, the Olympics. Now, you might remember that after the Russians won gold in team figure skating last week, it was revealed that one of their top competitors had failed a drug test before the games even began. While that case is being appealed, none of the teams are getting their medals including the Americans who finished second. And as a consolation gift, Team USA will reportedly receive Olympic torches. Yes, that's the smart thing to do when you've really pissed someone off. (laughs) Hand them a torch. (laughs) Evidently, they were out of Olympic pitchforks. A happier moment was provided by the captain of the Japanese women's curling team, Satsuki Fujisawa. The cameras picked up this message she wrote to herself on the back of her hand... I'm a good curler. I have confidence. Let's have fun. Is that nice? That's very sweet. Very sweet message. Very sweet. Mm. Mm. That message reminds me of my own hand-based self-affirmation. I am good at monologue. I have confidence. If found, please return to the Ed Sullivan Theater. There's just a little slot. Uh Uh-huh. There's a little slot out front. They can just slide me. Uh Back in. Uh, north of the border, a bunch of Canadian truckers continue to protest vaccine mandates, and we've got an update in our ketchup-flavored segment, Whoa, Canada! <laughs> Earlier this week, Canada declared a state of emergency, but truckers are still occupying downtown Ottawa, and Ottawa residents have had enough, as you can see in this viral clip of one man confronting the truckers. Just to make sure it's clear, <laughs> you! Shut up! Shut up and go f*** yourself. I don't give a f*** about you. Go the f*** home. Nobody cares about you. Go f*** 
keep in mind. Sure. Sure. A lot of F-bombs, isn't he? Woo! Keep in mind, he's Canadian, so that's the polite version. <laughs> but as with anything that pisses people off, American conservatives are all for it. Specifically, my pillow CEO, Mike Lindell, seen here calling 911 to report a horse that's been staring at him. <laughs> Lindell has a plan to support the Canadian truckers, and you'll never guess what it is. Send them a bunch of my pillows. <laughs> okay, you guessed. <laughs> now I know what you're asking. You're asking Steve, will there be enough my pillows to go around? Yes, Gail, because <laughs> Lindell loaded up a truck with 10,000 pillows, almost as many as on the bed in your great aunt's guest room. <laughs> These, those shams, those shams are not for sleeping. These protesters are camped out in the cold. They need food and fuel, not 10,000 pillows. Mm. In the words of one great Canadian... It's like 10,000... My pillows! When all you need is a knife It's meeting the man of my dreams And then meeting his beautiful... Pillow! <laughs> beautiful song. It's a beautiful song. Beautiful song. It's not just pillows uh, for hard protest and grown-ups. There's also some for the kids. We sent a whole truckload of these, or about, I don't know, a thousand of these, too. Oh, these love. are Bible pillows for the kids up there. Uh, we got Noah's Ark and stuff. Yes, Noah's Ark on a pillow. It's perfect for getting your little ones to sleep. <laughs> Bedtime, honey, remember, God will drown you for my sins. <laughs> and spare only the horniest livestock. Good night. <laughs> so... True story. Based on true story. Based on true story. So Lindell loaded up his pillow convoy and headed for the border where he was immediately turned back because he was not fully vaccinated and not have a negative PCR test. Come on, man. Come on. Glad he packed the pillow. He couldn't support the vax mandate protesters because he wasn't fully vaxxed. How can you describe that? Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? Thank you, Dr. Morissette. But Lindell's got a backup plan to smuggle in much-needed pillows. He's going to drop them from the sky <laughs> via helicopter. Okay, so the Canadian border guards are stopping him from driving into the country... So he's playing it safe by using a helicopter to violate their airspace. Good thing he's got those 10,000 pillows. They can cushion the fall when the Canadian Air Force shoots his ass down. <laughs> Speaking of, they have an Air Force, right? They just strap a pistol to a goose. Speaking of crashes, there's news from the high-flying, low-transparency world of digital investments. And I'll tell you all about it in my new segment, Tales from the Crypto. Ask me to explain blockchain! <laughs> I can't. First up in the crypto crypt, JP Morgan Chase just opened a lounge in the metaverse. Awesome! Because when I heard that there was a virtual world where you can be anything and do anything, my first thought was, boy, I hope I can still go to the bank. Do the DMV next. 
The virtual lounge is called Onyx, and it's in the virtual version of Tokyo's Harajuku shopping district called Metajuku. Oh, so they just put meta in front of everything to make uh, new words. Let me try. That meta sucks. <laughs> What's it like? What's it like inside the virtual space? Well, a tiger wanders the first floor, and a picture of the bank's boss, Jamie Dimon, hangs on the wall. Whoa. That went from cool to lame awful fast. <laughs> it's like saying, happy birthday, I got you a car ride with Jamie Dimon. <laughs> but there's more, because after you enter the lounge, a winding staircase leads to the second floor where a person's avatar can watch experts talk about the crypto market. <laughs> and hopefully another winding staircase that leads to the top floor of the building so your avatar can leap to its death. <laughs> Our... It's not real. It's, it's just... It's an avatar. Okay, It's an avatar, Chris. Our next story centers around former first lady and woman at the book club who hopes you're joking about reading Ta-Nehisi Coates next week. <laughs> Melania. Recently, Melania held an auction for a collection of NFTs on the Solana blockchain. Of course, the Solana blockchain is similar to the Ethereum blockchain in that if your Tinder date starts talking about either of them, get out of that Applebee's immediately. <laughs> Leave your coat. You can buy another one. The auction was called the Head of State Collection and included this hat, a watercolor of the former first lady wearing the hat, and a digital artwork NFT of the watercolor of her wearing the hat. What is it with this family and scamming people with hats? <laughs> now... Now, the minimum bid uh, was supposed to be about $250,000 paid only in the cryptocurrency of the Solana blockchain. Only problem, between the time the auction was announced and the time that the auction started, that type of crypto plummeted from $170 per token <laughs> to $95 per token. That's going to be confusing for the auctioneer. Uh, I got a bid from $500, $500, $250. Now it's back at $375. Can I get a bid real running, real money? And we got real money sold to the man with 75 cents in nickels. <laughs> But despite the currency fluctuations, Melania's hat got a buyer, and the winner was Melania. <laughs> because it turns out the money that won Melania's NFT came from Melania's own digital wallet. It was her own hat, her own watercolor, and her own NFT paid for with her own money. <laughs> it's the circle of grift. Coming up, Meanwhile. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. John, I got right.
right here. I'm talking tonight. We have two lovely guests this evening from uh, Face the Nation, the host yes. of uh, Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan. Margaret Brennan is going to be out here. Margaret Brennan in the house. Yeah, yeah, Margaret. Uh, the lovely and talented Adam Scott is going to be out here. He's on the new, yes. on the new uh, Severance on, on, on Apple TV. John, what a beautiful day today. Did you get outside at all? Yes, I did. Very I, I... strange New York day. It was like 15 on Monday, and what was it, 65 or something in the city today? Yeah, yeah, it felt good. Good yeah. day to play pickup ball. <laughs> did you did you play any ball? No, I didn't. You did not, but it wouldn't. So you but, let this one go. This one got away from you. Yeah, this yeah. got away from me. Do you know what I hear? You know what I hear? That uh, it's so warm in Vancouver right now, you could grow a palm tree up there. Oh, yeah. That's what I hear. I heard that. Somebody said Folks, I spent a lot of time right over there. Come through the day's news and carefully selecting the most pristine opalescent glass stories, ornately fusing the pieces using the most topical copper wire and lead casing before coloring them with the most pigment-rich jokes available to construct for you and you alone the elegant stained-glass Tiffany dome that is my nightly monologue. But sometimes, just sometimes, folks, I jolt awake behind the wheel of a 79 Buick Regal lowrider <laughs> while doing donuts on the parking lot of a boarded-up Joanne Fabrics when I... Clip a barrel fire, and I'm thrown from the car into the dumpsters. There, I rummage through the bits of broken Fanta bottles and glue them together with still warm chewing gum and stain them with whatever remnants I can scrape from old ketchup and fun dip packets. <laughs> then I douse my pants in kerosene and letter blaze to project the demented nightmare kaleidoscope of news that is my segment. <laughs> Meanwhile. Meanwhile, in honor of Valentine's Day, this week, sandwich chain Panera is giving away diamond rings in bread bowl boxes. So it is now officially easier to get a diamond ring from Panera than it is to get the bathroom code. <laughs> Meanwhile, actor and personal friend of mine, Patrick Wilson, hi, Patrick, surprised many people recently when he told an interviewer, I've eaten dog poop. And if you think that's weird, the question was, how are you? <laughs> Patrick, again, personal friend, hi. Made the surprising confession when an interviewer, for some reason, asked him, what's the worst thing you've put in your mouth? And Wilson replied, I'm sure in my quest to pick up dog crap that I have licked the bag to open the bag, then it's on my hand, and I have dog in there, too. Okay, I've been a dog owner for many years, and I have a lot of questions. First of all, quest to pick up dog crap? Are you then throwing yours into Mount Doom? Second, that's the worst thing you've ever put in your mouth? So you've never been to White Castle? We'll talk about this later, Patrick. Meanwhile... A Brooklyn bone collector has over 200 skeletons, spines, and skulls in his home. That is insane. There are apartments in Brooklyn big enough for 200 skeletons? <laughs> That's not... You can open the front door from the toilet. According to the bone man, his work is entirely above board, telling reporters, I only work with medical bones. 
which is what doctors and osteologists use for studying. Most of the bones I acquire are passed down from doctors or medical professionals. Most of the bones? <laughs> That's not comforting. Oh, you know, most are from doctors. The others are from reporters who ask too many questions about where all my bones come from. Want some tea in my soundproof closet? <laughs> Meanwhile, the Idaho Potato Commission has launched a limited-edition French fry scented perfume. Perfect for anyone who's thought, I wish more people thought I worked at a Wendy's. Coming up, Margaret Brennan. Enjoying this episode of The Late Show Pod Show? Then head to cohst.app slash late show or visit the link in the description to fill out our quick two-minute survey all about getting to know you. Guest tonight is CBS News Chief Foreign Affairs Correspondent and moderator of Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan. Please welcome Margaret Brennan. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Besides being the host of uh, Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, uh, you are also CBS News Chief Foreign Affairs Correspondent. Okay, and we've got some foreign affairs going on right now over <laughs> in Ukraine. We do indeed. Does anyone have any idea what's going on? Because we were promised that there would be an invasion on February 16th. That was yesterday, and it didn't happen. Now Biden's saying any day now. What, what's going on? Do you have any sense All from the... your guests what's going on? Well, I can tell you on the timeline. All the best intelligence services in the world are trying to nail this down and get inside Vladimir Putin's head. Mm. What they know and what... Western intelligence services knew was that they were told to go by the 16th to be ready for an invasion. That's okay. what the military was told. Right. But now, according to my sources, within the next four to five days is when they may start the second half of what appears to be a military attack that may already be underway. Right? Well, what do you mean might already be underway? Wouldn't we know if it was already underway because we would see the attack? If you think of this in terms of 1941, tanks rolling across the border, that is unmistakable, absolutely yes. But in terms of what the Biden administration is describing is sort of this phase one of cyber attacks, of disinformation, of staging an incident in the eastern part of the country. And today you heard that from Secretary Blinken at the United Nations lay out what they are looking for in terms of a predicate for an invasion. It could be a chemical weapons attack. It could be a false terrorist attack, as in an actual attack, but staged by the Russians against their own people. Something that would allow for Vladimir Putin to say, I have no choice. I have to act. He's and by his own people, do they mean people inside of Russia? Yes. Or, uh ethnically Russian people, Russian speakers in Donbass and eastern Ukraine? Both scenarios were laid out by the Secretary of State okay. today. Um, and so in the Donbass area, which is the southeastern part of Ukraine, there's been a fighting there for the past eight years. Because remember, Vladimir Putin back in 2014 did go in and seize territory. He has already done this. He has taken Crimea. He has had these areas in the southeast, in the Donbass, where And this is not a cold war, like 14,000 people or something have died no, in this fight war. so far. Actual fighting, absolutely. Um, and in these breakaway republics, uh, that is where the world is focused right now. Because you did have some shelling today, uh, kindergarten, you probably also the images of that. A drumbeat is building. 
something that would allow for the justification uh, by Vladimir Putin to do something. And there's a sliver of a chance of diplomacy, and the world is grabbing at it, trying to talk him out of it. Um, so uh, uh, Putin, and I think maybe Lavrov, his, his foreign, foreign minister, minister, have said, no, we're pulling out. Or, like, they've allowed cameras in while Lavrov is reporting to Putin about, like, oh, these troops are going back to their barracks or whatever. Right. This, this implication that they're pulling back from the front. But we have satellite imagery of them actually going. Bridges being built across rivers that yes. tanks can go across. For whom is this information? Is it for their own domestic consumption? Because they have to know that we have satellites. They invented them. <laughs> satellites, intercepts. I mean, more than 60% of the, the Russian army is on high alert, poised at Ukraine's border. They have moved in field hospitals and blood supplies. So those are the kind of indicators that say, maybe this isn't just an exercise. And by the way, Sunday, the 20th, is the date that those exercises are scheduled to end. So that's a hard date on the calendar to sort of test the premise of whether Vladimir Putin's claim that this is all just an exercise um, is for real. But it definitely, for all the people I talk to in the intelligence world, um, say this is only building, this is only escalating. And the fear here, and the reason that this is such a focal point is that it's not just a story about Ukraine, although obviously any loss of life there, I mean, the estimates are you could have up to 100,000 dead um, and casualties. The fear is it doesn't stop there, that this is a test of wills and a test of whether the West really will this time say to Vladimir Putin, no, you can't go any further. Because in 2014, he tested the world. And uh, then Vice President Biden and President Obama sanctioned him, and it obviously didn't dissuade him from trying again. We have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I will ask Margaret about Ukraine and the possibility of joining NATO. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. There's a, a lot of talk about increased sanctions and... I don't entirely understand what those increased sanctions would be, but there is a lot of talk about these would truly be punishing. This would be a whole other level of sanctions. What, what would we do to him? Would we cut off Russia entirely from any international banking? Would we cut off their ability to sell oil? What, what, what have you heard are the... What's the, uh, what's the, the neutron bomb kind of... The sledgehammer the, sanction. Exactly. Right. What are those that they're talking about? So financial warfare is what the West and President Biden is willing to do. He is not willing to send in combat troops to defend Ukraine, though he says he will send them into the 30 countries within NATO, that border, right? So if Vladimir Putin pushes the border of his country farther, closer to NATO, we are really in a high-risk category. What they are describing... And, and it's not clear exactly which, which event would trigger those sanctions. 
But if it's an overt invasion, it would be uh, cutting off uh, Vladimir Putin's access to the dollar, essentially, to try to freeze transactions. It would be cutting off key bits of technology, export, import, things that would be important to his industries. But really, the point they think they can squeeze him is by hurting the oligarchs, those who are around him, not necessarily sanctioning Vladimir Putin himself, but all the guys who have money parked in London and Germany and assets all around the world. Can they freeze those? Can they really put the squeeze on Vladimir Putin that way? That's what's being uh, looked at right now. But then you have Vladimir Putin fly to Beijing, as he did just a few weeks ago, stand next to the president of China and say, this is a new era and we have an alliance, and try to challenge the idea that the West can control him. Although the Biden administration would say, you know, the US dollar is still so dominant that he can't possibly be replaced uh, or have the trade that replaced by Beijing. Now, um, there was, uh, Ukraine suffered its largest ever cyber attack this week. And, you know, no one is, you know, certain that it's Russia, but everyone is absolutely certain that it's Russia. <laughs> uh, Blinken uh, said on your show three weeks ago that if Russia executed a cyber attack, there would be a swift and united response from the U.S. and Europe. Right. Um, has anyone in the administration said there will be a response to this latest cyber attack? Has there been any follow-up on that? You know, it's a funny thing. If you don't attribute it, you don't have to do anything about it for a little bit of time. Oh, that's interesting. But... Um, once you do, then you get people like me saying, okay, you attribute it, what are you gonna do about it? So there's a little bit of wiggle room here. The, the, the Biden administration, uh, the, the great powers, the German chancellor was just flying back and forth uh, to Moscow, the French president, they're trying to find any window of diplomacy. I mean, Secretary Blinken says, I'm on the plane to go meet Lavrov. As soon as he says go, we will sit down. So there is room there still trying to create here. But in terms of the cyber attack, uh, I mean, President Biden said very clearly, if you go after our companies, you will pay the price. Because what Russia has done is used Ukraine as a test case for cyber attacks in the past. Of course, they would deny this. Um, but in 2017, you had a devastating cyber attack that rolled out in global impact. So as you know, I mean, everything's connected these days. An attack in Ukraine doesn't necessarily stay in the computer systems in Ukraine. Let me... Let me uh throw out an idea here, and I'm not, I'm not trying to advise Vladimir Putin to do or not do anything, even though I'm sure he's watching right now. <laughs> Big fan. Um, if is so, that he... open invitation is Sunday's program. Oh, wow. Still yeah. have a slot? You still have a slot? You know, I think I could make time. I think I could. <laughs> he, Putin seems obsessed with Ukraine, besides wanting to restore the old Soviet uh, satellite states, the, the empire, the Soviet Union but also because he feels threatened by NATO and Ukraine mm -hmm. ends up being a buffer. And he, one of his demands, if unless I'm wrong, is that, that he'll pull out if the West says, we definitely will never include uh, right. Ukraine in NATO. But doesn't he have to go in now and take over Ukraine? Because based on this level of threat, the minute that he pulls away, isn't Ukraine going to go, okay, we're joining NATO? <laughs> because the reason why we can't fully defend Ukraine is because they're not a member of NATO. And there's going to be such an impetus for Ukraine to join when this is over. So he's got to go crush them. But then here's where it gets Again, really... not my advice, just <laughs> gaming it out. Well, it gets a little tricky there because we did invite them back in, like, 2008. Mm -hmm. um, and 
Ukraine isn't there yet. President Biden said they're not going to join anytime soon because they can't meet the standard at which they could be NATO members. But the United States is not willing to pull back that invitation. It's just kind of this, like, they're hanging out there, hoping to make it in. They're a partner. They're not fully a member. So long story short, uh, this is one of the reasons why the West says what Vladimir Putin is demanding is really just this maximalist position that they can't respond to. Um, but also, do you believe that's really what it's about? Now, before you go, your, your new show got a title, a new title in September. It went from Face the Nation to Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan. Are you, are you feeling, are you drunk with the power of the word <laughs> with? Now, is it? Did, that, can you tell me? Is that what? how it works? You're with. Oh, I've seen yeah, yeah, the Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Yeah. Though I just call it, as you can see from the sign, I just call it the Late Show with. <laughs> I heard, I heard you call it Nation Face. I do. I, I call like your that. show. Matter of fact, I call you the Nation Face. <laughs> That's not. I like the yeah. Nation Face. Our, our nation could have a worse face. <laughs> we we can talk to CBS about the branding, but you know. Sure. You mean Paramount? That's right. Yes. Yes. Are you excited that we all work for Paramount now? Yes. Me too. <laughs> Mark, good to see you. Up next, Adam Scott. Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney, the voice of Korra on The Legend of Korra. And me, Dante Bosco, the voice of Zuko on The Last Airbender and General Iroh on The Legend of Korra. Each week, we'll recap and discuss another episode of The Last Airbender. I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but... Amazing guests stop by from creators to cast to super fans to chat all things Avatarverse. Are we saying that this is possible in the Avatar universe? Varney, we gotta spread the word. Now fans can also check out our weekly video pods too by subscribing to the official Avatar YouTube channel. That's a lot of fire, isn't it? That's right, we're on video this season, everybody. So whether you're a super fan with encyclopedic knowledge or you're brand new to this incredible world, it's Fire Nation time, Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Brave the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. My next guest is an actor you know from Parks and Recreation, Step Brothers, and Party Down. He now stars in the Apple TV Plus show Severance. Okay, my name's Mark. And, uh,. So I, you know, a few years back, I woke up on this table in this room and uh, a disembodied voice asked me 19 times who I was. And when I realized I couldn't answer, I told that voice that I would find him and kill him. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I, I, mean, I was scared too. Did you kill the voice? No. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Adam Scott. This feels like a massive amount of people. Isn't it nice? Oh, it's very nice. This is lovely. Yes, it is. This is lovely. This is actually a lovely amount. This is 420 people. 420 420. Perfect. Yeah. You arranged that, right? I did. Yeah. Hey, so the star of the new show, Severance, on Apple TV Plus, 
explain to the people what severance is, because I love this concept and I wouldn't mind having it. Yeah, um, I think we all would. Uh, it is, uh, it's a, it's a, the, the show is about a world in which you can get a procedure done where you get a chip implanted in your brain where, uh, by which you go to work, you have no idea who you are in the outside world, right? And then when you go home, you have no idea what your job is. So you have these two separate existences, uh, and neither the twain shall meet. So that, that's kind of great, because it solves the work-life balance that's problem right. by, by only having one of the lives at a time. That's right. So, that's right. I mean, there's something appealing about that. How, how are you? Because I'm terrible at the work-life balance. Yeah. I'm curious how, how you are at it. On a scale of 1 to 10, where do you rate your ability to deal with the work-life balance? 1 to 10. 1 to 10, yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> 1? I, like, it's really? a, it's a, dis really? it's, it's, I, like, everything, it's just, everything, everything's like one thing now, right? So, it's like, there's away from it, right? No, it's always, like, if I needed to really get away, I would have to set my phone on fire. <laughs> and put it in a drawer while it's on fire. And that's the only way mm -hmm. I would be able to uh, spend quality time. Do, do you have a life outside of work? I mean, do you, you're, you're married, right? Yes. You're married. Yes. Okay. Do you have kids? I have two teenagers. It's two teenagers? Two teenagers. Wow, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, and uh, it, it's a lot of work just getting their attention, is what I found. <laughs> mm -hmm. You have teenagers, yes? I did at one point have teenagers. Uh -huh. I no longer have teenagers. <laughs> okay. Okay. Such is the wheel of time. That's, that's how it works. That's I what I've heard. I wish I still had teenagers, and now I'm an empty nester. Oh, Just yeah. you hold on, buddy. How oh. old are your, yours? 15 and 13. <laughs> I know. Before it's you coming. know it, 16 and 14. <laughs> and then Wait, the that, rest is just math. That happens? It does. It just happens. What, okay, what do you do? Okay, let's say yeah. you never have, you're never really balancing well, but on the end of a busy day, what do you do to unwind? Um, well, okay, this is not interesting. <laughs> Ready? <laughs> this is uninteresting and, I guess, basic, but uh, the iPad, right? I'm familiar. Okay. <laughs> If you told 12-year-old me that I would have a rectangular uh, device that's like half an inch thick or a quarter of an inch, whatever it is. I say half an inch thick is a yeah, really that's old a, iPad. That's a big iPad. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a Mine's new. from 2007. Sure, that's sure. fine, right? Um, where, you know, you have access to the, the, the world's film and television libraries at, at yeah. just a few touches, right? Yeah. That's how it works. I, I would have, uh, I would have, you know, my pants and run out of the room. So now, mm -hmm. that's, I'm still just enamored with it and I- It's pretty great. To unwind, I lay down, put it on my chest and watch seven minutes of something until I fall asleep. And <laughs> it's do, you have still, the, do you have these in? Do you have the earphones uh, yeah. in? If you put good, if you have good headphones, it's a cinematic experience. Right, but then you roll over on them in the middle of the yeah. night. <laughs> no, the agony. Truly, is... my wife every morning is like, geez, because I'm there with my glasses and headphones and the <laughs> iPads like up on my face. Do you wear a mouth guard in case it doesn't I fall do over? I do have a mouth guard. Teeth? Yes, I do. Good for you. Yeah. This is a sexy look. Thank you. You are really painting a picture Thanks. over there. Did sh no? You guys shot during COVID. We did. And uh, I mean, lucky to be shooting at all during COVID. So that's, that's right. a nice thing. But that's did right. that affect 
Well, how did that affect the experience? Because we shot during COVID, but there was nobody around. It was me and him and him yeah. in a little room upstairs. Yeah. Um, well, it was, yeah, it was pre-vaccine COVID, so uh, it was Real touchy. Yeah, COVID classic. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so, so, yeah, it was like, like, you know, it took like nine months to shoot the show. And so the crew had, ma the actors get to go without masks, obviously, but the crew, so we, we are bonded with everyone, but we never really saw their faces. After like six months, I would see someone in the parking lot without their mask, and it was like weirdly intimate, like I was seeing their genitals or something. <laughs> it was like, there's like a wet cave on your face. Yeah. Are you getting, are you getting it? I'm getting it. Wet Did anyone cave. wax their faces? Well, I don't know, Stephen. I don't know. Okay, you're, you're also relaunching, you're revisiting, I, I, I'll call it a cult classic. Sure. But for those who do not know, explain to these people out here what Party Down was and is. Sure, Party Down. Uh... Party Down was a show on Stars. We ended, we finished 12 years ago, um, and our our final episode had something like 13,000 viewers. So, wow, it was not yet a cult classic at the time, um, but people have discovered it in the time since, and I think that's part of what makes it special to people is that they had to dig it up and find it themselves, and and uh, and so they feel some like ownership over it, which they should, uh, because it, it, uh, we, we have now started up again and rebooted because of uh, there you are. them, because people Back are Back in the pink bow tie. This is what everybody, it's a catering. It's a catering company. It's a it's catering a, company. Yeah, sorry, it's a yeah, show yeah. about a catering company. Uh, well, what's it like after, what's it like after a decade, 12 years, you said? 12 years. After 12 years of, of, of getting back into it, yeah. is, is it easier or strange? It's, you've had this old, whole other career since then. Yeah, it's really strange, but really wonderful. It's almost a cliche now, because there's so many reboots of shows, to say, like, it feels like you just pick, pick up where you left off. But it, it really, really does. And it's just so deeply fun, because we have Jane Lynch and Megan Mullally and Ken Marino and Ryan really Hansen and, and, uh, and Martin Starr. Uh, yeah, and, and Jennifer Garner has joined the cast this season. She's oh, wow. just doing an incredible job. Uh, it's really, really fun. Um, but it, it, you know, we only got two seasons, uh, so there is some unfinished business there, and uh, and so we're we're getting to just kind of finish the story here. It could be like your first episode could beat your finale right out of the. You think gate. so? Thirteen thousand people. Let's put some money on it right now. I'll bet you twenty bucks you beat your finale. Okay, well, can we both bet for beating the finale? That's not how bets work, though. Uh, fine. Okay, great. great. Let's do it. There you go. This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Poncho, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. And for more exclusive Late Show content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. 
Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.